0: Sin in thought, in word, in deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Almighty, Almighty God,
1: have mercy upon us. us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to
0: everlasting, everlasting life. life. Amen. <laughs> Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake, forgives you all of your sins. As a call to being servant of the Word, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy
1: Spirit.
2: Amen. Amen.
3: saying in the last chapter of Matthew, go therefore making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And again, the word of God says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for this promise is unto you and to your children. This child as all others was not born with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, infants, though seemingly innocent, are, according to Scripture, by birth and nature sinful. They cannot, therefore, by their own reason or by their own strength, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or come to Him. And yet, Scripture makes it abundantly clear that faith in Jesus Christ is necessary for salvation. And so it is that our Lord Jesus Himself says, No one comes unto the Father but by me. And scripture again says that we are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And therefore we can never thank God enough that he has made baptism, that means through which he works. The Holy Spirit there creates that faith, for faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. He creates that faith in an infant's heart, that relationship that links him to our Lord Jesus Christ. And thus the apostle of our Lord says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And again, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. And so today, we again see God working here. We see God regenerating that which is spiritually dead, for Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration. Baptism, then, is God's gracious work. It's not ours. And through it, the Christian life of worship has its beginning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hasat, Matana, Yaret, receive the sign of the Holy Cross, both upon thy forehead and in thy heart, as a sign and mark that you and he have been redeemed by Christ the Crucified. We pray. In the words of Luther's baptismal prayer, Almighty oh, and Eternal God, according to your just judgment, you condemned the whole unbelieving world through the flood. And yet, according to your great mercy, you preserved believing Noah and his family, eight souls and all. You drowned hard hearted Pharaoh and all of his host in the Red Sea. And yet you led your people Israel through the water onto dry ground, foreshadowing this washing of holy baptism. Through the baptism in the Jordan of your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, you sanctified and instituted all waters to be a blessed flood and a lavish washing away of sin. We pray that you would behold this child, and according to your boundless mercy, that you would bless her with true faith by the Holy Spirit, that through this saving flood, all sin in her, which has been inherited from Adam, and which she herself has committed since, would be drowned and died. Grant that she would be kept safe and secure and the Holy Ark of the Christian Church, being separated from the multitude of unbelievers and serving your name at all times with a fervent spirit and a joyful hope, so that with all believers in your promise, she would be declared, declared your saint and receive eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now before baptizing Hassett into the Triune God, I ask you parents and Sponsor your presence to bear witness and publicly pledge that you will do these things. First of all, that you remember the child often in your praying. Secondly, that you put her in mind with her holy baptism, that she wouldn't forget what God in his mercy has herein begun. And thirdly, sponsor as much as in you lies that you would lend your counsel and aid, especially should she lose her parents, that she would be brought up in the true knowledge and worship of God, that she would be taught the Ten Commandments and the Creed that she would be taught the Lord's Prayer, and that as she grows in years, you would place in her hands the Holy Scriptures. You'd bring her to the services of God's house, providing for further instruction in the Christian faith, that she may then come to the sacrament of Christ's body and blood, and thus abiding in baptismal grace and in communion with the church, that she would grow up to lead a godly life to the praise and to the honor of Jesus Christ. This then you intend gladly and willingly to do. If so say yes with the help of God. Yes. God enable you then to will and to do these works of His love, and may He fulfill all that you and your human weakness are unable to do. And now I ask you to answer in the name and in the set of the questions of the, of the child the questions that I will address to her, that we all might be reminded of what faith it is that the Holy Spirit, even now, miraculously and through baptism, works in the heart of this child. said Milena, do you renounce the devil and all of his works and all of his ways? If so say I do. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified by and was buried, who descended to hell? and the third day rose again from the dead and descended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, who will come again to judge the living and the dead and in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. If so, say I do. Thank you. Do you desire then to be baptized into this Holy Christian faith? If so, say I do.
0: Pray. Blessed Heavenly Father, you have seen fit to draw Milena, Haset Milena, from the darkness and death of sin into your marvelous light. And this by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ applied to her today in these waters of baptism. We ask that by your Holy Spirit throughout all of her life, by the means of grace, You would keep her in her baptismal faith until with all the saints, the believers in Christ Jesus, you would bring her into her eternal inheritance. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
3: This was burning camp.
0: about earthly things. Keep alive in us a proper yearning for those heavenly treasures awaiting all who trust in your mercy, that we may daily rejoice in your salvation and serve you with constant devotion. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. of the Holy Scriptures for this the second Sunday after Pentecost the Old Testament reading from the prophet Isaiah the 49th chapter thus says the Lord in a time of favor I have answered you in a day of salvation I have helped you I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land to apportion the desolate heritages saying to the prisoners come out To those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways, on all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them, for he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west and these from the land of syna sing for joy o heavens and exult o earth break forth o mountains into singing for the lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted but zion said the lord has forsaken me my lord has forgotten me can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised unsearchable on your wondrous works I will meditate and I will declare your greatness the epistle reading from st. Paul's letter to the Romans the first chapter first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you But thus far have been prevented in order that i may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the gentiles i am under obligation both to greeks and to barbarians both to the wise and to the foolish so i am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in rome for i am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand in respect of Christ of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink How they grow, they neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you,
2: O Christ.
3: and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for today, from the Holy Gospel, these words, Therefore, our Lord Jesus says, Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. This is our text, Your friends in Christ. A wealthy woman who was a chronic worrier had a cheerful maid who seemed absolutely content and secure in everything that she had. And so content, in fact, was she, and so cheerful was she, that one day the worrisome mistress questioned her overly plump and cheerful, delightful maid about the sense of security that she had. She said to her, how can you be so calm? so at peace all of the time don't you ever worry about things for example she said to her maid how much money do you have in your bank account in your savings account and the maid said well I don't really have much there at all ma'am but I get along just fine with what I do have but the mistress said but what happens if you get sick suppose you get sick or suppose you were in a disabling accident or suppose that you get mugged or that you get robbed on the bus when you're coming here to work in the morning you're going home at night or suppose that my husband's business would collapse and all of our investments would fail and we had to let you go just suppose that one of these things happen just one of these things happen doesn't that disturb you? doesn't it worry you? doesn't it make you anxious at all? the maid smiled and in a tone that was respectful but still to the point she said suppose 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 you just do too much supposing ma'am there's no supposing in my bible my bible says surely surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and then in a burst of exuberant exhortation The maid held the mistress by both of her hands and she looked her squarely in the eye and she said, You see, ma'am, that's your trouble. You're doing far too much supposing and far too little reposing. And isn't that true? You're doing far too much supposing, wondering, worrying, anxiety, and far too little reposing, far too little resting, secure in the promises of God the dilemma of the wealthier woman is a dilemma that's common to us all because very few of us would fit in the category of that maid and probably she wasn't consistently there herself undoubtedly she wasn't consistently being confident that all was well we're like that we too worry we're anxious about this we're anxious about that suppose that the company that I work for goes under and suddenly I find myself unemployed and without a job Suppose that our financial reserves don't hold out if that happens for more than a couple of months. Suppose that the problems of my child or the problems of my teenager don't get any better and instead they get worse. Suppose that the unresolved irritants that are there in our marriage remain unresolved and threaten to separate us. Suppose that the changing mole on my skin turns to melanoma or suppose that the cancer that I thought we had conquered returns again. Suppose that my high blood pressure goes higher and my cholesterol count won't go lower. Suppose that one thing or the other happens. Suppose that what we planned with all the plans that we made for ourselves as husband and wife or parents and children just don't materialize because life runs out on us. Suppose that we won't be able to cope with all of these different things that come into our lives when they happen. Suppose. You've been there haven't you? So have I. Too much sinful supposing on our parts. Too little reposing in the promises of God. Resting in those promises that he makes to us that we hear in today's gospel reading. Look at the text for today. Isn't that in essence what our Lord Jesus is teaching the multitudes? You know, he gathered them together and they'd come together to sit down and to listen to him teach them. And what does he say to him? He says, be not anxious. In our vernacular, don't worry. Be not anxious, he says. Indeed, he repeats it three times in the gospel reading for today. In verse 25, be not anxious, he says, about your life. In verse 31, be not anxious about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Verse 34, be not anxious about tomorrow. He covers all the bases, and he says, don't worry, be not anxious. The Greek word is interesting there for anxious. Marinoa being so concerned about things and then it implies a certain sense of losing sleep it's actually there in the Greek, Greek sense, in the Greek word that it's a sense of being so anxious about something that you lose sleep over it. You've been there too? a lot of people are in our day obviously just a few days ago I received a monthly periodical that comes to our home from the health insurance company and there's a full page article the whole problem that we have in our society of sleep deprivation not long ago I read an interesting article entitled everything you wanted to know about sleep deprivation but are too tired to ask it has an extensive cross-references to dozens and dozens of articles that you can log on to to find about the, the sleep disorders that are so troubling us in our society concerned so excessively about things that it interrupts our sleep patterns as well. It robs us of our repose. And note well that all of this is sinful excessiveness too. It's not something that we can excuse ourselves of because everybody else does it or has the problem, not at all. It's excessiveness that our Lord is speaking out. It's not that he's saying to us, don't care about anything, don't be concerned about anything. That's, that's not what he's saying. Care and concern aren't sinful in themselves. To the contrary, they're often the very motivating push and the shove that's behind the compassion that we show for one another and the care that we give one another in life. And that's why commenting on this very verse about anxiety, Luther says something interesting. He writes, every office and station in life involves taking on certain concerns. So Luther says we should be concerned about some things, especially for those, he says, who were in charge of other people. So St. Paul says, for example, about the spiritual offices in Christendom, Luther says, he who rules let him be careful, concerned about ruling, about how he's going to do it. In the same sense, he says, the head of a household has to be concerned about whether his children are being brought up properly and whether those employed by him are all doing their duty. Be concerned there. Similarly, he says in the concern about pastors or ministers, it's their concern to carry out their preaching and to administer the sacraments properly and to comfort the sorrowing and the sick and to denounce the wicked. That must be a pastoral concern. For he has, Luther says, the command to give attention to souls and to guide them so also, he says, the princess and others in government have to be concerned about the proper administration in the secular realm. And then he goes on to say, in essence, so you see, our Lord says, be not anxious. He's not saying don't be concerned in the proper order that you have in life, in your vocation, whatever it is, as parent, pastor, whatever it might be. When our Lord says, be not anxious, he's not talking then about these official concerns of parents or pastors or princes or police. Namely, the legitimate concerns that we have for the welfare of those that he has placed in our charge. For that, we should be concerned. What he's talking about when he says, do not be anxious, is that lack of confidence that we would have in his God's administration of our lives, that personal anxiety that we have that God isn't doing a very good job of administering our affairs. Being sinfully troubled is another word you could use. Troubled like the disciples were, for example, on the night before his crucifixion, the night when he was betrayed, what does the scripture say about the disciples? It says they were troubled. They were troubled at the thought that he would, he said, soon be leaving them. Troubled that he said that they couldn't come along with them where he was going. Troubled that he had said that one of them was going to betray him. And they're troubled about these things. Troubled, another interesting word in the Greek, from the word "tarazo." Similar to anxious, but it's a bit stronger than anxious. It carries the notion of being visibly disturbed, and visibly agitated because you're concerned about this or that. Emotionally stirred up inside to the point of being obvious in the outside. Troubled, we say. And you know something not even terrazzo or being troubled is all wrong. It depends again upon the circumstances. It's not always sinful. Indeed, that very word terrazzo, troubled, is used of our Lord Jesus. On different occasions where he was troubled and yet obviously he was without sin. First for example when he came to that small town in the Gospels the town of Bethany where he finds his friends grieving the sisters of Lazarus because remember Lazarus had died and it says that Jesus was tarazzo, Jesus was troubled, Jesus was agitated, he was disturbed and upset Not at their sadness, not at their grief, but he was upset and agitated at the abnormality of death, at death because of sin, what death could do to bring such sorrow to the lives of people that he loves so much. He was troubled at what death does to us. And he was troubled again when during the days immediately before his crucifixion, he stood in Jerusalem and contemplating his own death his own crucifixion for the sins of mankind he said now my soul has become terrazzo now my soul has become troubled and what shall i say father save me from this hour no he says it's for this purpose it's for this very purpose that i have come into this world troubled rightly troubled as in his very soul the death shadow begins to to envelop all of him and his wasn't a death like ours you know not a death like that of the Christian for whom the terrors of death have been removed we can say that of ourselves we don't always believe it but the terrors of death have been removed for us why because we know what Christ has done he's canceled out sin and all of its debt Because of the saving work of Christ, we don't have to fear physical death anymore because we know that when we physically die, our souls aren't dying. We saw a death of a soul taking place this morning in holy baptism, if you will. Our souls don't die when our bodies do. Our sinful souls died at the font. At the font of baptism. At any font, whenever and wherever we are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, his death becomes ours. So when it comes to physically now walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because our souls have already been through it. We live eternally from the day of that font onward because of what Christ has done. We've been de- baptized into the death and into the resurrection. Of Jesus Christ. His death is ours, His resurrection is already ours from that point on. Through baptism, like that of little Isaac Joseph last Sunday, or like that of little Heset Milena this morning, our souls have been through the death thing. They're not going to die anymore. And our bodies, well, they're just dragging behind. They're going to go through it too but they're going to be raised in their own day the day of the resurrection of all flesh at times end. even as already the soul has been raised through baptism into Christ's death and resurrection to live eternally and that's all because Christ's soul became troubled for us troubled in the greatest sense of the word because he was fully aware of all that his death was going to do to him we don't have to fear it when we walk through that valley But he knew exactly all that his soul was going to have to go through for us in our stead. The dreaded curse that it had to endure. The inconceivable dread of such a death overcame his soul. And all that was human within him recoiled from the rending ordeal of it all. And scripture says his soul was troubled. It was visibly agitated at the thought of what hell he would have to endure so that you wouldn't troubled. as it was again only hours before his crucifixion when he looked compassionately upon Judas remember who was about to betray him and St. John tells us that again Jesus became Tarazzo. Jesus became troubled in spirit, disturbed, internally agitated so that it showed itself externally on his face Agitated at the thought of what was about to occur to Judas. Judas who would give himself wholly over to Satan and be the betrayer of heaven's Lord and himself then become the son of hell. Perdition's child. Troubled at seeing one precious soul lost forever. And so you see there can be indeed a right time and right circumstances under which one might even be troubled and one might be agitated even as our Lord was when he saw what sin and what death were doing to people but let's face it more often than not more often than it surely should be our trouble and our agitation in life are over the disturbances of everyday life as we experience them and they don't come from selfless thoughts as did his from noble thoughts or were his no more often they come from simply being anxious from being worried from having a supposing heart from having a heart given to saying at every unexpected turn of events, suppose this happens, suppose that happens, suppose God doesn't care, doesn't do what we expect him to do, what will I do then? What will become of me? Anxiety or troubles so often having come from worrying rather than having a believing heart, supposing rather than reposing in the promises of God. And so what does Jesus do? Does he leave us because of that? did he leave the disciples to themselves when they expressed their misgivings about his plans or concerns or worries about what would happen to them supposing this supposing that if Jesus died the death that he was talking about dying did he leave them because of their anxieties no he didn't he didn't forsake them their faulty suppositions you see could not change His disposition toward them. And that's true of you too. Your faulty suppositions, supposing, cannot change his disposition toward you. Because it's the unalterable grace of God that here is in effect. It required Jesus to position himself upon the cross there to pay for the sinful propositions and suppositions of men that we so often entertain about God's lack of care or the deeds of opposition even that we have as we act against him even in our own lives. That's why when dealing with supposing hearts, Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, works to change them into reposing hearts. He directs us away, first of all, from ourselves onto him. What does he say in the words for today's text he says be not anxious but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things will be added on to you as well. You see you you can't think about the kingdom without thinking about the king and we Christians can't think about any kind of righteousness without thinking of the Lord Jesus who scripture says is our righteousness because it's in him that we're righteous worried anxious troubled sinfully so then look away from yourself fix your eyes upon jesus look to him look at your sin bearing savior and consider what the apostle who wrote today's epistle said toward the end of that epistle he said what shall we say of these things what shall we say about our worry and about our anxiety and about our trouble and our sin if god is for us who is against us Come on, stand up, he says, in essence, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, famine, what are we going to eat, nakedness, what are we going to wear, the very things that tie in with Matthew chapter 6 in our gospel for today, the sword, who is against us, stand up, and we'll stand up too, and we'll be unafraid, and we'll be ready to confess those unforgettably mighty words, he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us everything that we need? That's his promise. He'll give you all that you need. All these other things will be added onto you as well. Be not anxious, therefore. See how the supposing heart becomes a reposing heart? It only happens to the heart where Christ dwells. The heart that knows that its ultimate repose is realized not here in this earth, but the heart that knows by faith that its ultimate repose is the repose of heaven. In his book entitled Give Your Life a Lift, Dr. Herman Gockel, who was a member of this congregation until the, the day that he died, wrote an interesting devotion about this very thing of which we speak. He wrote about the heart that knows its ultimate repose is in heaven. Here's what he said, he said speaking of a trip that he had to make from Los Angeles from the airport there to St. Louis, he said our sleek silver jet had just thundered down the runway of the Los Angeles airport and gracefully had headed out over the Pacific Ocean and made its half circle turn and then it headed eastward across the continent below, worn and weary after six hectic weeks in the movie capital we sat back in our seat and as is our custom at the start of each day he said we breathed a silent prayer and i prayed he said lord bring me safely home and then looking into the infinity of blue beyond our window i added quickly bring me safely home if not here then there that was all i prayed he says but i somehow the echo of that brief petition stayed with me every moment of the flight and the assurance that our Heavenly Father would answer it according to his gracious will rested upon me as a heavenly benediction and as we crossed soaring mountains and verdant valleys and sun parched prairies at almost the speed of sound, Lord, bring me safely home, if not here, then there. Isn't this, he writes, in its simplest terms, The prayer of every believer in Christ as he ventures forth on the unknown path of each new day, after the toil and the sweat and the noise and the turmoil of each of life's little days is over, he knows that the Lord will bring him safely home, home to the company of loved ones, either here or there. And he knows this not because of the shallow assurance of some sentimentality and some sentimental greeting card. He knows it because he bears in his heart the spirit-wrought conviction that the Lord of heaven has already spoken it in his word. The God of the trackless universe, through the redeeming work of his beloved son, has assured him of a home that is open, a home that is waiting there. For it was his divine son who said, In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you and i go to prepare a place for you that where i am there you may be also and thus to christian pilgrims Gockel says who have caught that heavenly vision his earthly dwelling can never be more than his home away from home his permanent and his abiding dwelling place is now and always will be the mansion of his father the waiting the arrival of every son and every daughter. And so at the dawn of each new day, as we set our feet on the untrod path before us, we can pray with quiet confidence, Lord, bring me safely home. If not here, then there, there through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And dear friends, I imagine there are more than a few brothers and sisters in Christ wearing the uniform of our nation and bearing its flag in distant and dangerous places that will, this very day, somewhere pray that same prayer, even as those who gave their lives in distant places for the sake of our civil freedoms have over the times past as we think on them in this Memorial Day weekend. I'm sure there are many of those Christian brothers and sisters there at that time in some place, said, Lord, bring me safely home. If not here, then there. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. In his name, amen. Please stand and join me in singing the post-sermon hymn.
0: and for all people according to their need, we pray. Almighty and gracious Father, you have promised and provide to us all things needful, chiefly your Son, Jesus Christ, who did bear upon himself the sin of all men. Recalling the marks of his passion for us engraved upon the palms of his hands, make us to be confident that having spared not even your own son, you will certainly supply to us without fail all that our bodies and souls would require. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Life-giving God, you have made us and all creatures, you have given us our bodies and souls, our reason and all our senses, and still preserve and take care of us. Correct and calm our anxious hearts when we would worry about tomorrow. Teach us to consider your fatherly goodness and mercy in each day. Give us satisfied hearts that look to you in patient trust. Lord, in your mercy, hear hear our prayer. Lord of the Church, may we never be ashamed of the good news of your Gospel, but by your Holy Spirit, give us courage to confess it with clarity in our given callings in life that still others would come to faith and enjoy the salvation Christ earned for all lord in your mercy hear our prayer. lord of the nations preserve peace and harmony between peoples throughout the lands move leaders and communities to compassion to assist the many in burma and china who suffer severe and catastrophic loss and loss of lives and property work through local firefighters and agencies to extinguish the fires that have destroyed property and acreage in the santa cruz mountains preserve from harm the residents and those who battle the blaze and keep from destruction the many homes that are threatened. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Eternal Father, as a nation we give pause this weekend to remember with thanksgiving the many servicemen and women who selflessly gave their lives in exchange for the freedoms that we enjoy. Preserve us from forgetfulness or ingratitude, that we might never take these liberties you have afforded us for granted. May we as a people cherish them and gladly express our appreciation to you and to the individuals or families of these men and women through whom you granted these freedoms. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of love and faithfulness, remember those who are ailing or weak or who suffer, including Fred Heim, who is gravely ill, Robert and Dorothy Latham and Marguerite Helt, Paul Duell and Dick and Elsie Much and Marjorie Fleming, bring to their minds and secure bring to their minds and secure their hearts upon the promises that you've made to them that they may not be anxious about their life or even their death but entrust each with all confidence into your tender hand knowing that you will not in life or death forget about them lord in your mercy hear our prayer good and gracious god we give thanks for all good things that you bestow With the family of Haset Milena Yaret, we thank you that you have today in baptismal water made her your very own and connected her to eternal life in Jesus Christ. Keep Haset alive in her baptismal faith throughout her life by sustaining her through the regular hearing of your word and in time, the reception of Christ's body and blood in the sacrament. We give thanks also with Rachel and Kyle Knefel, for the three years of married life that they celebrate together this week. Be the constant presence in their home and the unending source of their love for one another throughout all of their days. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. All these things and whatever else you know that we need, grant to us, dear Father, for the sake of him, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, giver and perfecter of our faith, we thank and praise you for continuing among us the preaching of your gospel, for our instruction and edification. Send your blessing upon the word which has been spoken to us, and by your Holy Spirit increase our saving knowledge of you, that day by day we may be strengthened in the divine truth and remain steadfast in your grace. Give us strength to fight the good fight and by faith to overcome all the temptations of Satan, of the flesh, and
2: the world, so that we may
0: finally receive the salvation of our souls. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.